This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Radiohead guitarist Ed O'Brien released his first solo record on Friday. It's called Earth. Ed O'Brien sat down with KEXP's Kevin Cole to talk about the new record when he visited the station back in October. Here's their conversation. This is your first solo album, so I'm curious to know more about how this project came about. In the past, you've been reluctant to record a a solo album or have other projects as you've uh, been vocal about uh, your work with Radiohead and how fulfilling that's been. Yeah. And uh, how it wouldn't feel right to, uh, to do other projects. So... What made now feel like the right time? Well, it wasn't, I mean, just to, not to correct you, but it wasn't that I didn't feel right about doing other projects because the others, you know, the others have been doing them. It was more a case of, I was very creatively satisfied with my, what I was doing in Radiohead and massively, I had a young family. Yeah. And I was, once the kids were born, because I come from a split family, one of the things, and I've always said like, I want to be there for my family, for my kids. So when, when the kids were born, it was suddenly, I mean, I even toyed with, I even at one stage thought I might leave Radiohead because I thought I don't know how to balance this. I have to be there. I want to be there for my kids. Um, but obviously I didn't. In fact, it was Neil Finn who turned around and said, Ed, I was talking to him about it, said, Ed, your kids are not going to thank you for leaving Radiohead when they're teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was just a case of, I wanted to be with my young family and I didn't, I, we, we had a lot of time with Radiohead and when I was on downtime, I wanted to be there for my kids and then something happened and I'm not sure what, it's a bit like that pool of music when something happens and you, it's, it's not even, there's no kind of logic to it. Suddenly it was like, I was writing, we'd got some downtime and this music just started to come out. I mean, literally I found a way of writing. I'd always struggled with how to write and 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 I found a method and it was almost like letting go the moment I was like I'm not writing a song stuff started to happen yeah what was it what was it just simply letting go yeah there were lots of things I was inspired so what happened at the end of 2012 me and my young family went we went to live in Brazil and we went to live in the Brazilian countryside really rural halfway between Rio and Sao Paulo on on this farm and I suddenly had time and I, I sort of would go off and write in this little hut up by this lake. It was completely idyllic. And I started off trying to write something electronic. And every day I'd have tea, 11 o'clock, stop for tea, I'm a tea break. And I play music. And it's so interesting, I find that whole process of playing music in a different location. So listening to music in London is very li- different from listening to music in, say, the southwest of this country even the West Coast, yeah. and particularly rural Brazil. So a lot of stuff that I was kind of interested in, a lot of the electronic stuff, didn't resonate with me anymore. And then we also, we went to Carnival in Rio, and experiencing what was going on in the Sambadrome, that same feeling of joy, warmth, love, light, expression, 
the beauty of the planet, the beauty of humanity, all these things. And those were suddenly, they were like the triggers. And also, I have to say, reading Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, that was a massive moment. Yeah. That's what I found is that, oh, once I'm inspired, the music will kind of come out. Yeah. It sounds like you had a certain discipline. Yeah, definitely. So you would do whatever uh, creative projects, have a tea break. Yeah. And uh, listen to music. Yeah. Uh, did you structure reading time in there as well? No, what happened was, so I, I kind of had a, we then went back to, we went back to, to Britain and then I started going out to Wales. I was, I, I felt like having been in nature, like this is where the countryside, this is where the music was. I, cause I'm a country boy. I grew up in Oxfordshire and I've been living in London for 20 years and I realized being back in nature, that's where I was happiest. Yeah. So I was like, well, okay. So in order to write, in order to be inspired, I need to be in nature. That's what I need to do. And that's, I, disco- I sort of discovered that. So I, I rent this little cottage um, in mid Wales, which is a very, very beautiful, isolated, wild part of the UK. It's in fact very close to where Robert Plant and Jimmy Page wrote a lot of Led Zeppelin three and four. Wow. You hear it, you hear like the Battle of Evermore in that land. It's very, very fertile. It's an amazing place. So being back there, and there is a discipline. So there's a discipline, you get up in the morning and I'd walk up to the top of the mountain, then I'd go down to the, to the river, you know, the river in the valley, and then I'd read some Walt Whitman. And by 9.30 in the morning, I was back up and I was inspired and the music sort of flowed out from that. It was a very, it was an amazing, it's, because it didn't feel like, I, it didn't feel like I was forcing it. It felt like it was just happening. I, I fell in touch with people like William Blake and, that spirit, that Whitman, I, you know, that for me was, it was like a, there was, there was a, I would do that when I go walking in the mountains, I'd feel inspired. I feel this planet is so beautiful. There's so much potential. And then in kind of the city, it's all got drained out of me. Yeah. But then being back there and reading these words and reading Walt Whitman aloud, when you read those words aloud, there's such power and beauty. And it completely sort of knocked me out and so by the time I, I, I picked up a guitar and started stuff started just coming out <laughs> that sounds like an amazing experience or experiences first of all and uh, what you're describing is how the record sounds there's just a natural flow to it uh, a beauty to it uh, uh, an optimistic joyful quality to it songs like Shangri-La which maybe describes that epiphany moment yeah or uh, songs like uh, Deep Days the build and build, but uh, with the vocal refrain, there's really a sense of uh, support or hope. Obviously, we're living in very challenging times, and I wanted to make a record that, you know, acknowledged the darkness, but also I wanted to make a record that was hopeful. And I think we need new stories at the moment because a lot of the time in the media, obviously, we're bombarded with how how crap we are to one another, how human beings, and and you know, there are times, but also what's not reported are all the great things that we do. And I really feel like I wanted to 
sort of acknowledge the darkness, but also focus on the shards of light that are coming through. And I think they're amazing. You know, for all the challenging moments we're going through, there is equally some extraordinary things that are happening. The Me Too campaign, the climate emergency, what's going on in Britain and around the world, and people are actually coming out. So I feel it's, we're in this big moment of change, aren't we? It's huge. And what I was trying to do also was trying to see the bigger picture. There was this, uh, the working title of the record was Pale Blue Dot, which was references the Carl Sagan book and the photo that Voyager 2 took of the planet. And you, do you, you know, yeah. Yeah. And those words that accompanied that image of the, the earth from 2 million miles away was so inspiring. Again, that's about the bigger picture. This is us. This is our home. This on this tiny moat of dust, every dictator that's every, you know, you know, every war that's been fought, every lover that's loved all on this tiny speck on this photo. And I, I, I felt, again, you don't know why these things resonate, like a lot of these things, but it resonated. I found things like that, the bigger picture, again, inspiring. So that informed the music. So I, I'm not, what I was trying to do is get out my head and into my heart. Yeah. And you just intuitively feel way, way through it. I, I kind of, I've come from, coming from Oxford, it's a very sort of academic, cerebral, place and that's great but the problem with with that as well is you can stop you can slightly close your heart and for me it was just like i wanted like literally that was a bit of a mantra out of my head and into my heart just feel your way through it your head has to come in sometimes you have to edit stuff etc etc but i really want to and that's my that's my thing now musically i'm completely guided by my intuition i'm not forcing things if something there's a spark if there's a oh and it, it's great because it means you're present. It means you're like, oh, hang on a sec, that's good. And why am I responding to that? I don't know. I'm not questioning. But that's what makes that's what makes me happy. That's what makes me resonate. You know, feel good. Did the uh, move to Brazil in 2012 uh, was that part of kind of warming up and and hmm. opening to the heart? Yeah, totally. My wife and I have been going to Brazil for a long time, and uh, you know, for me, when we were make when um, OK Computer came out. It was a really interesting period because obviously this is a great period of, you know, success in the band, if you like. But I was really, really unhappy at the time. And I sort of hid that. I was depressed. And the music that I latched onto was Brazilian music. And one of the things I loved about Brazil was that it kind of helped me throw off the shackles of British reserve and, you know, all those things that the British are cliched for, right? And particularly if you've grown up somewhere like middle class Oxford and it's very academic, you know, it, it, I needed to throw off that armor. And Brazil was, it, it, again, it's a very heartfelt place. You know, the Brazilians are, you know, extraordinary people, so warm, so loving and so joyful. And many of them live, you know, extraordinarily hard lives. You have a song on the new record called Brazil. Yeah. Can we hear that now? Yeah, please. Okay. <laughs> Tell tell me a bit about that song because it's almost like two songs. Yeah, it it, it very much and deliberately. I wanted it to. it, It it has different sort of levels on it. It's. Essentially, it's about endings and beginnings. And the first part is really about, I guess it's the darkness, it's the melancholy. 
Yeah, it's, and, it's beautiful, almost acoustic. Yeah, song. exactly, acoustic, and that's that's the Welsh part. That's, There's a lot of acoustic guitar in this record. Yeah, well, I was playing acoustic guitar, and then and and, and the Welsh thing, and being in Wales, like I said, it's acoustic guitar. It's just it's you can hear it in you know again Led Zeppelin three and four. It's that place. It's in the earth. It's there to to reduce it to something people might know. It's kind of Game of Thrones country, yeah. you know. Um, but it's very Celtic. It's very old. So things like acoustics, really. I was, you know, I, I was listening to folk music a bit more as well and hearing Celtic folk music. But I think the thing is that song, and I wanted it. I didn't want to leave it like that. I wanted it to f- f- blossom into this this moment of light and love and magic and carnival, which is Brazil. It's, it's also about, it's about death and the afterlife. It's that thing, what happens. I was reading a lot about near-death experiences and what happens when people, you know, people talk about going to the light, that, that they leave their body, but that it's not the fear and terror. It's almost like this warmth and this love. And it, it sort of corresponds with a lot of my, you know, the things that resonate with me, like reincarnation and a kind of a Buddhist philosophy. You know, I'm not a Buddhist, but a lot of the... A lot of the philosophy makes a lot of sense to me, or I resonate with it for whatever reason again. So it was, it's, it was about somewhere that I felt like it's somewhere that's a, a sort of a desperation that flowers into somewhere that's really beautiful and it's kind of like, it's going to be okay. Do you feel as an artist sometimes if you're just open you might not know what's kind of being channeled through you yeah totally i mean for me it's like you know you read it you hear it so many times uh, when you know aretha says when she she said it oh, well i'm just channeling god it's just coming through me that for me was the moment I, if you ask me how i wrote the songs i can't tell you i don't i i feel like i didn't write the songs i feel like i've always i've been, I've been sort of reluctant to say well i started writing these songs it's like my thing is like these songs started to come out i really do believe and you know of course that's what a lot of people say that's what a lot of the writers say they don't you know it, it, it's not about them it's about some it is like you're channeling yeah i appreciate the genuineness and the openness here yeah well i i mean listen i i'm sure there are some people who think i'm talking a load of crap but you know I have to be honest, and thankfully I'm a little bit older, so I can be honest. And if someone thinks it's a load of old bollocks, well, you know, that's tough. But that other side of life, the spiritual path, all those things are very important, and they've been an important part of my life for a few few years now. And I, I mean, I'm really interested, as I think a lot of people are now, about the visible world, if you like, what we see, and then there's the invisible world. And I think people have always been intrigued by that, and whether it's talking about God, Chi, the Force, whatever, you know, Star Wars. There's something else that goes on on this planet. It's not just what we build and what we do. Yeah, it's human nature to be curious about that. Yeah, and so when I was asked, like, Radiohead fans were really lovely on tour, and they said, hey, Ed, what what kind of record are you making? And I was like, and I would go, I'm making an existential dance record, which was slightly flippant, but it was kind of like, that those are things I'm interested in. That's the stuff that I like. I was always like that as a kid. I used to love nothing more than sitting out in the garden at night, looking up at the stars with friends, and like going, "How can the universe? How can the? How can it never stop? How can it go on forever?" I'm. I've always been curious for that stuff. And what's been so lovely is to sort of 
be able to just go there fully without without going oh you know grow up Ed you know whatever so it's been a part of it's almost like being childlike again and the wonder and the the joys of this this extraordinary planet that we live on you were talking about Brazil earlier and going to Carnival and that being a kind of a eye-opening or an epiphany and you have also kind of in similar terms talked about Glastonbury yeah Glastonbury is a really important part of why, why is my life um it's our carnival. It's the it's the time we go every year, and you know there are so many great music festivals. But Glastonbury's feels like the mother. It's the mother of all of them, and it's you go there and people are creative. They're doing their thing. It's five six days of people coming together in nature, come rain or shine, and you come away from that uplifted. You come away. Even if it's rained, it can be pretty hardcore sometimes yeah. and gets muddy. But you come away with a sense of your faith is re- reconfirmed in humanity in a way. And it's the moment you turn up, the people at the gates, the security, everybody is warm. Everybody's well. Everybody's engaged. Everybody's excited. And I was talking to a friend's dad about five years ago, and he, he's in his 80s, and he helped set up the first one. And it's four o'clock in the morning and it's in the middle of some drum and bass. And I said, I said, uh, David, what is it about this? It feels like I feel because it, it happens the weekend after the summer solstice. I said, what is it? It feels like we're tapping into something here. People have been doing this for thousands of years. And he said, we are. This is the meeting of the tribes of the north, the tribes of the south, of the east and the west. And it was just like that really resonated. And it feels again like there's a timeless thing. People have been doing this at this time of the year, midsummer, celebrating, being alive, getting through the winter, yeah. you know, an explosion of light and love and celebration. And also a, a release, a, a cathartic yeah. moment. Totally. It's like, like carnival. It's like, the, it's like the safety valve. Bang! All the stresses. You arrive and it takes about 24 hours for the city to kind of be thrown off you. And once, once the armor, you know, the, the armor of the city, once that's gone, you're in there and you're in there deep. So uh, the uh, lead song on the album, Shangri-La, is about that yeah. experience? Well, Shangri-La, it's, it's sort of become the sort of the, the beating heart of Glastonbury, if you like. It's this area of Glastonbury that goes on all night, that sort of wakes up at night, and it's where all the clubs are. And, and it's also the place where people have put on these extraordinary, st- built these extraordinary structures with, in which to dance. And, and it's just an extraordinary, it's a kind of, when I first went, it felt like a, a naughty version of Blade Runner in the middle of a field. And it doesn't, you don't feel like, you feel like you're in this kind of bizarre city. Yeah. And um, I guess probably not too dissimilar to Burning Man or something. Yeah, I was thinking that, just sort of unleashed creativity. Yeah. And I'm never happier than four o'clock in the morning with what feels like my tribe in Shangri-La celebrating, you know. And I came away and four days later I was I was demoing and and this song Shangri-La was was the one that was was sort of my paying homage to Glastonbury and and that thing of being a part of a tribe people you come from your different walks of life and you gather and you you you, you it's you're with your you're with your people yeah I
about being a front man now and singing? Like, like, does that make you nervous? Were you yeah. nervous about that? Yeah, totally. Because your voice sounds great. Oh, thank uh, you. And, and beautiful on these songs and such a warmth to it. I'm still nervous about it, to be honest, because I guess the, be- the, the, the brilliant, my, my good fortune is that, you know, I do a record and at least there'll be a couple of people who are interested because of Radiohead. Not that it's a downside, but the other thing is I, I need to have my shit together vocally. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to... <laughs> so my thing is what, I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be easy on myself yeah. and hopefully other people will be easy. That This is a journey. You know, I remember what Tom's voice was like in the beginning days. It's very different from what you hear now. So partly getting out there gigging, which is what I really want to do, connecting with an audience, being out there, taking out a band... I'm really excited about it. I'm trying not to be too hard on myself because I want to enjoy the moment. And sure, it's flawed. I'm flawed, you know, but I think it's like a muscle. My my experience of like a band or anything, it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get at it, the more familiar. So it was totally new. And when I was very, very lucky because I haven't mentioned the producer on this record, who's Flood. And I was in extraordinarily good hands i mean the breadth of people and bands that he's worked with from you know he was an engineer at trident studios in the 80s before he went on to work with u2 and depeche and everything had you worked with him before no but he was a friend yeah we were but we're both dads with kids at the same school and his son was in the same class as my daughter and when the foals album holy fire came out in 2012 that he produced with alan Mulder, great sounding record i love that record and i said to him as we kind of Put, dropping off our kids I was just like I, I didn't know him I said great record man I said gotta tell you I'm a huge fan and he was like he said well, it's just pop music isn't it and we, <laughs> we'd have these great conversations about pop music and how much we loved it and our wives became friends we ended up holidaying on together and um, yeah it, it, he'd never worked with it was interesting for him he said he's never worked with somebody before who's been a friend so it was new for him so it was just a really great process. I completely trusted him. He's such a kind and nurturing man. I played him the demos when they're demo form, just to play them to a mate, just say, can, you know. And within three songs, he turned around and he said, do you want me to work with you on this? Because he heard the potential and he heard the same thing that I did, which a lot of people don't hear. You know, they hear a demo and they go like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's OK. But I was excited about the demos. I felt there was something here. I was really excited and he picked up on that. And that was, I, that's why he's a, he's one of the reasons why he's such a brilliant engineer and producer. In terms of feeling it uh, in working on the record, did you butt up against any moments where uh, you felt stuck at all? Sure. I mean, my, the, the, I think there's a universal journey that you go through and it's certainly anything that I've been involved with that's had any creative merit there's been a part of it which is it gets really tough and that's part of the journey that gives it its depth and uh, this friend of mine she when I was in the sonic trenches as I like to say that period was she sent me an email and she said being a writer she understands writing books is exactly the same that you there's this thing that she calls the six stages of creativity stage one is this is great that's what you start with you're excited stage two is hmm you're into it a bit more Mm, this is okay. Stage three, you're really in it now. It's like, this is shit. I see where this is going. Yeah, exactly. And then stage four, which is the worst, is I am shit. 
And that's that. That's a really it's a hard place to be. And I think, you know, you, yeah. And then stage five is uh, this is okay, and stage six is hopefully this is great. Yeah. But it's like you have to go through that. that yeah, that moment of self doubt as an artist. It's, it's huge. Really- it's massive, and it's it's the dark night of the soul. And yeah. it's like it's in again. It's it's part of the hero's journey. It's part of that thing. Are you going to tour on this record? Yeah, absolutely. I want to. That's a really important part. I want to get out there. I want to connect with people and just you know start start again really i I, i've got to learn how to do this front man singing thing i'm excited and also slightly daunted by the whole thing as well you know it's but i'm up for the challenge i'm up for the and i don't want it to be necessarily be a challenge i want to do it in a way that 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 feels that i want to enjoy the journey i want to that's what i really want to do i don't want to get stressed i want to of course there are stressful times but i want to Except the fact that it's it's nice being a bit older that I can I will be challenged and there'll be bits where I feel uncomfortable and I won't know what to do, but to be honest about it and I'm really excited about getting out there and playing this. I wanna I wanna I wanna connect and meet people and, and do this. Well we're excited to have you hit the road, play these songs live. Uh, also excited uh, for this record, as I imagine uh, you can't wait for people to hear it. And uh, again, thank you so much, Ed. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's been a real real delight to talk to you about this today. Appreciate it. So we're going to go out with one last song from yeah. the album, Banksters. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about this? Banksters, it kind of Brazilian, it's a bossa nova beat, 7-8, but I, I, it's really a song, that, it's the only song that gets vaguely angry. It's, and and it was, it's, it's really about an anger towards the prevailing economic system of our day, of our age. A lot of us are waking up to the fact that it no longer serves us, you know, the amount of people who are stressed, you know, (laughs) debt. It doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve the poorer people of the world. And it doesn't serve the planet. Yeah, it's not going to bring happiness. It's not. And it's, I think what we're witnessing is the end of it. Because I'm not the only person. We're all, so many of us are thinking that. And we're just scared about where the next move is. But... I read this amazing book, and I forget the author. He's a New York writer called The Unwinding. So one one of the lyrics in the verse, you know, it's who knows where we're going, who knows where the, you know, who knows what we're... And the the lyric is the unwinding boom and bust, your Ponzi schemes in God we trust. I mean, this whole thing, this reverence of money, that money is the most important thing, which is, you know, bottom line profits. And it's just like, can we please move beyond that? Because it's not. We're we're acting like teenagers. We need to... Humanity needs to become more mature. There are bigger things. So that's the that's the only moment in the record when I'm kind of I get vaguely angry. <laughs> yeah. It's an incredibly optimistic record. Oh, Tons thank of you. hope. So let's let's groove to this yeah. and move beyond. Yeah, exactly. Ed, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. KEXP's Kevin Cole speaking with Radiohead's Ed O'Brien about his first solo record. It's called Earth. 
Well, that was Sound and Vision. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'd love to see five more ratings by the end of the week, and I want you to be one of them. Also, please consider giving a one-time $20 donation to kexp.org slash sound. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll chat more soon.